You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. What's up, Grace Church? How y'all doing? Doing all right, man. I'm uh, excited uh, that you are here with us. I'm also excited that we are pregnant with twins. Not us. Not us. Our church is actually pregnant with twins. With twin churches. So we're launching. That was a lame joke, wasn't it? Already, it was a lame joke. We appreciate the excitement, though. Yeah. Sorry, I uh, I fooled you all. Uh, So we are excited wherever you're worshiping, but we are launching uh, twins. In September, the North Overland Park campus, and they're not identical twins, right? They're uh, the Grace Church Church in North OP, and then we've got a real community church at Lee Summit. So it's really exciting. It's it's fun to be uh, having babies and starting new churches. So I'm I'm excited about that. I'm also excited about having my wife of 13 years uh, here with me, and we we have actually we have not spoken together for seven years. So I'm super excited. I'm I'm really excited because. Uh, just the gifts God has put in her, uh, even the last few years that she's cultivated, she's still growing. And so I'm just, uh, I'm happy that you're up here with me. So why don't you guys give it up for Amy? Thank you. So like Sheila said, we've been in this a series focusing on key women of the Bible. And the reason that we're doing this is because each of these women, they reveal unique characteristics that God designed for us. So Eve showed us that we're designed to reveal God. And Deborah showed us that we're designed for influence. And this week, our big idea is that we are designed for risk. And we're going to look at the story of Esther. Now, Esther is really a special story, really a special book of the Bible. It's the only book in the entire Bible that doesn't use the word God at all. Um, And she's one of only two women who have an entire book dedicated to them, dedicated to a female character in the Bible. So um, we have a lot to cover. (laughs) We can't cover everything, um, but we would love for you guys to take some time this week and just read the book of Esther. It's only 10 chapters and just see what God teaches you um, just on your own as you read that. We'd love to cover it all, but we We won't be able to do that today. So I do just want to give you a brief, very quick summary of Esther's life just to bring you up to speed of where we'll we'll be jumping in today. So Esther's family, they were, um, her ancestors were Jewish refugees. So Esther um, in our story lives in Shushan, which is in modern day Iran. Um, And both of her parents died. So she was an orphan, refugee, and she was being raised by her cousin Mordecai. And the Bible tells us that Mordecai loved her um, like she was his own daughter. So basically he adopted her. And um, Esther was chosen out of a huge number of women, a slew of women, to become the queen, to marry the king of Persia. And there was a guy who worked for the king named Haman, and Haman could not stand Mordecai, which Mordecai is the guy raising Esther, right? Um, And somehow Haman persuades the king, Esther's husband, to write a decree to destroy all of, to destroy Mordecai and all of his people, the Jews. And so we are at this place where we see Esther 
being faced with a decision to risk everything to save her people. Absolutely. It's a huge decision of risk. And uh, when, when I figured out that we were going to speak on this subject, I asked Amy, I said, hey, hey, what is the biggest risk you've ever taken? Like, what's the, what's the biggest risk you've ever taken? And you know what she said? And I quote, marrying you. That's what she said to me. And I was like, I don't know what that means necessarily, but no, maybe you could help us understand. True. It's true. Really, it's true. My life has changed drastically from being married to Justin, but I knew just from dating him that he wasn't afraid to take risks. He wasn't super concerned with safety, and he wasn't afraid to be uncomfortable or put me in uncomfortable situations at times. So he's, I joke with him, I'm like, you're sort of like my Esther because you take risks and drag so, me along. <laughs> so not, not, not only that, she called me Esther and uh, Gandalf this Gandalf, week. Yeah. And I was like, what, what yeah. gives? If what, you know, what's up with yeah, that? If you know the story of Lord of the Rings at all, I'm a huge fan, favorite movie. Uh, Frodo tells Gandalf, you know, before you came along, we Bagginses were very well thought of. We never, we never did anything unexpected. We never had any adventures. And so you kind of those well, hopefully people still think well of you, even though you're yeah. with me. We, uh, we, we are going to be in Esther's chapter 4 and 8, so if you grab your Bibles, digital, paper, whatever uh, you read in, grab those, chapter 4, chapter 8. We're going to pray, and then we'll hop right into what, what God has for us. Let's pray. Um, God, we love you so much, and we're so thankful um, just for your relentless pursuit of us, God. We're thankful that you took the risk of becoming human and living on this earth and dying for us, Lord, and just so you can show us your love. And um, God, I pray today that you would just let our words be true and encouraging, Lord, and I pray just against any critical spirit or any temptation to compare during this message, God. Um, we're all unique. We all have different stories, and you love us each just as we are. So, um, yeah, just use this time to change us, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. So just like Amy summarized, we, we've really got four characters in this story, right? We've got Esther, the main character, the queen. Uh, some people would say she was a uh, very hot queen. That's what her words were about Esther, not mine, but she said that. And then you've got Mordecai, which is really Esther's father. Then you've got... Uh, the king, he's newly divorced and newly married right there in that, that same time. But then you've got this guy, Haman. Ha- Haman shows up on the scene and he hates the Jews. Like, not only does he hate them, but he, he wants them to, to die. You look in chapter uh, 4, verse 7. It says, Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasuries to destroy the Jews. To literally, he wanted to exterminate them. He wanted to commit a genocide against them because he despised them. Yeah, and this is this is what Esther was up against, right? One woman against a guy who was going after an entire people group. And she knew that the only way to stop this was to get the king involved. But she also knew the laws. And the law said that anyone who went before the king without being summoned would be put to death. And we see that in chapter 4, verse 11. It says, and all the king's servants and all the king's men couldn't put... No, just kidding. Sorry. Um, every single time I read that, all the king's servants, it just like goes in my head like it's supposed to be there. So uh, what it really says is all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who's not been called, he is but one law, put all to death. 
except the one whom the king holds out the golden scepter that he may live. And then Esther says, yeah, I myself, I haven't been called to the king for 30 days. So Esther was going to have to break the law and risk her life to go and do something that God was asking her to do. There was nothing safe about this. It was super high-risk decision. That's one thing. I always want to apply this to our culture. And, man, we we have not only, like, I'm not saying grace necessarily, but our culture in general in America, man, we are obsessed with safety, with comfort. And uh, here at at Grace specifically, I, I have an ironic unique role because I hear some statements and I, I want to share a few of them with you. Maybe you'll think they're funny. Maybe uh, you'll be offended by them. Maybe uh, you won't think anything of them. We'll, we'll, we'll see. But I, I hear statements uh, like, I would, I would never go north of 119th. I would never go north of 119th street. Man, it's not safe north of that, that area. I would not take my kids downtown. It's not safe down there. I'm not, go- I'm not, I'm not going downtown. I love this one. Usually uh, I'm traveling to some of these uh, unique areas and uh, I was in Iraq uh, 18 months ago and people go, you went to, you were in Iraq? Is it, is, it's not safe there. I would never, I would never go there. Are these mission trips safe? I don't know if I would ever go on these, these mission trips, but, but as God's people, we've got to really be careful of saying I would never go to a geographic location. Because people, people need to hear the, the story of who Jesus is. And my, my favorite is, brother, brother, I am just praying for traveling mercies for your safety. That's, that's the one that I, I hear often. But, but then I, I try not to get too uh, mocking in this area. Sometimes I might have that tendency to, to mock, um, which is not a good thing. Uh, but I, I, I look at it and I say, man. Did you know safety is only mentioned in the the scriptures in the in the Bible three times, three times, and it's not even concerning your physical safety. It's actually concerning that you would be secure or safe in God's word in truth. That's what it's referring to. And then you start reading the Bible and you you read these things like battle is mentioned five times, war is mentioned fifteen times, fight is mentioned eleven times, compared to three times of safety. I, I'm not sure if you've ever read the Bible, but it says that we're in a, we're in a war. You don't even have to believe that this book is true to know that this life, this life is a fight sometimes. Sometimes you go through suffering, hardship, you know. And here's the deal, war and fighting, they are not safe. If you're taking notes, write this down. So your first point is risk reveals what you value. And most of it, we all value something, right? But I would say fairly universal is the value for safety, whatever culture you're in, whatever place, your background, where you come from. We want financial security. We want physical safety. We even desire emotional safety, relational safety. Um, But I think we have to be careful because sometimes we confuse comfort and security with safety. So like Justin mentioned downtown. Well, downtown's not unsafe. People go down there every day. People live down there. People work down there. It's it's not unsafe, right? But you may be uncomfortable down there or you may feel a little bit insecure because you're not used to interacting with people who are different from you. But it's not that it's unsafe. I mean, we walk out these doors, we get in 
large machines and go fast on the road with other <laughs> machines coming toward us, right? And people are on their cell phones and all that. But that's not really safe, but we feel secure because we know the area. We have our seatbelt on. But really, honestly, it isn't a safe thing to do. So um, we can't confuse comfort and security with safety. And listen to this quote. It says, security is mostly a superstition. It does not exist in nature, nor do the children of men as a whole experiencing experience it. Avoiding danger is no safer in the long run than outright exposure. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing. You know who said that? An influential, amazing woman named? Yeah, Helen Keller. Helen Keller. It's just uh, shocking that she yeah. was... She said this, yeah. right? I mean, Esther, Esther was on an adventure, right? She wasn't worried about staying in her safe bubble. She was going to risk danger and exposure to do something that God was asking her to do. Yeah, my, my favorite and least favorite quote at the same time in this, you guys, I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but people say, man, the, the safest place is in, the, is in God's will. The safest place in the world is in, in the center of God's will. You know, like it's, it's my most favorite because people that say it that are doing something dangerous, I'm like, yes. But then the, the other people that are saying like, yeah, I, I really, I really want to be, I want to be safe and I want to, I want to do that. But you, you start thinking of Esther, like, was it safe for Esther? Was she doing God's will? I think she was doing God's will. I think she was following God and she was literally risking her life and she was risking the entire Jewish race at the time. She's risking it. There's nothing safe about this thing. And, and I was even thinking, like, if Grace Church, if we operate in the context of safety all the time, we're going to miss out what God's trying to do through us. And you know what? We could just sit back in comfort and safety. We actually don't have to do anything. But he's asking us to do stuff because we want to see him work. We'll miss out. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying, like, let's be completely reckless. I'm just saying, like, let's be a, a little reckless, maybe. <laughs> Can we be a little reckless? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, this was the same for Esther, though. She didn't have to do what she did. And you see in chapter 4, uh, verse 14, Esther 4, 14, this is Mordecai talking to Esther. And he says, if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet, who knows whether you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And when I've heard this taught in the past, pretty much always, we focus on that line for such a time as this. With the idea of, this is your moment, like you were made for this, no one else can do this thing except you, it's your destiny. And really, that's not what Mordecai was saying. If you look, he says, who knows whether you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. He's saying, you know, you don't have to do this. Just like we don't have to do anything for God. But if you do, you could be part of seeing an entire people group saved. Or then again, who knows, you may just die. But that's the risk. You don't know what's going to happen, right? Absolutely. It's like a super uh, provocative question almost. It's almost annoying. He's literally saying like, I, I don't know, you know, who who knows, God might might use you. It's like... It's like super passive aggressive. Like he's literally saying, you know, I don't, I don't know, I, I guess. 
you know, I'm going to be passive aggressive. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. I mean, I have never, ever been passive aggressive in any statement in marriage or active aggressive, actively aggressive is what she, she said. I'm just actively aggressive. That's so awesome. You're not a very passive person. I gotta rein her back in, man. She's, just going, a, she's going off the reservation she's right now. Why we have adventure and take risks? Right? Absolutely, but but what really uh, it's coming down to is he's saying who who knows? I don't know what the outcome's going to be, but we've got to have the courage to take risks, even when we don't know what the outcome is. Yeah. Even though when we have no idea, and even for us, like in our personal lives, we've really looked at some things and we've said, you know. Uh, who, who knows what God's going to do? Who, who knows what these things will, uh, what will come to pass? We have no idea. And so what, what are some of those yeah, things? Yeah, about five years ago, we decided to become foster parents. And our youngest is now forever part of our family through that. Um, but when we start that journey, you know, you really, you don't know what's going to happen. And I talk to people all the time who are interested in that and the number one thing that I hear, which rightfully so, is fear, because it's a big decision. Um, we don't know, you know, who knows if this child is going to stay with our family? Who knows how our biological kids will be affected or impacted? Who knows, you know, if we'll be able to love these kids like our own? You know, what is it going to be like? And that's the risk we, we don't know, you know. Um, it could, though, on the upside, it could change your life. You know, and this child could become a forever part of your family. You could change their life. Another thing that we've risked is our finances. And I don't say this at all to pat ourselves on the back, but we were missionaries in another country and and we were dependent on other people's generosity. And that's definitely a risk financially. And other times we've given to missionaries um, and we didn't know. You know, we said, who knows if we'll have enough to pay our bills this month or. Sorry, Dave Ramsey. I don't have the emergency fund tucked back because yeah. we've given it away. Yeah, if an emergency comes, who knows, you know, what's going to happen because of risking financially. Yeah, and even, uh, like, I travel f- fairly extensively. been to 20, 30 countries, and we've said things like, man, I, I don't know, who knows? I might get detained because we might get caught sharing the gospel in some of these places. Or, you know, who knows? It, it, is is my family going to be safe while I'm while I'm not here? We, we literally just said, you know what? I... I, I don't know, but just like Esther, we want to we want to count the cost, and we want to find that it's worth it, even though we don't know what the outcome is. Yeah, that's sort of like when I married him. I wasn't sure what. The, <laughs> you should just pick on me. I feel like this is unfair or something. Well, you I can't said do that. Well, all those nice that. things about me at the beginning. Yeah, it is true. But you've, it, you've stuck with me for thirteen years, so that, it, that's probably enough grace. Yes. Like. You're, you're, you can pick on me as much as you want to because you've stuck with me. I, it wasn't the only thing I said, though. That was a risk, a big, one of Hallelujah. the biggest risks. And I think, honestly, for us personally, just laying it out there, the biggest risks that we've taken is when we've confessed sin to each other or when we've shared something that maybe we weren't too proud of or that we wanted to keep, secret. keep hidden or keep secret and... It really, it requires us to be something that most of us don't enjoy, which is the V word. Vulnerability. Yeah. Nobody likes that subject. Yeah. It's hard to do sometimes. Absolutely. So if, if, you're, if you're taking notes, write down uh, this right here. Vulnerability requires risk. To be vulnerable, to be open, it absolutely requires risk. 
Yeah, and Esther had to be vulnerable. In chapter 8, verse 1, we see Esther go before the king. And the king didn't know who Esther was, meaning he didn't know her background. He didn't know her ethnicity even, probably. And she had to go before him and say, hey, you know all these people that you've approved to be annihilated? Yeah, I'm one of them. And for all she knew, he at that moment could have abandoned her and said, I don't want a, a queen that's a Jew or an orphaned refugee. You could know, have totally he blown have, up in her face. Yeah, he may have rejected her instantly. And this is, I think, a, really a challenge for most of us in our culture today, especially with the social media world and things looking very nice and happy and perfect all the time. Um, I love those filters, you know, <laughs> make everything look so they good. They could like take off 20 pounds. Yeah, they make yes. an ugly guy look good. Keep going. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I threw you off, didn't I? <laughs> you're fine. It's fine. Um, yeah, it's it's a challenge for sure. And we know personally just how how risky it can be. You don't know what's going to happen. You know, when, when we share sin and we have temptation and we sin and we mess up, we don't know if we're going to be met with grace. We may be rejected completely. It's a risk, right? Um, we don't know if, you know, if you're married, you don't know if your spouse is going to leave you if you tell them something you've been hiding for years. And we know that that happens. I mean, yeah, absolutely. we're yeah. humans. <laughs> yeah, vulnerability is really, uh, it, it produces vital relationships. And, and you experience healing because of it. Like really, if you're vulnerable, uh, it really can heal you according to the scriptures. Even Even what the Bible says. Literally, it can help heal you. I love what Tim says about it. Is He says, if you're not vulnerable and open, you actually are having false progress. It's not, it's not actually real. You're making false progress because you're not actually being a real person. And so for us, we, sometimes we've got to ask, like, what do I need to be vulnerable about? What do I want to, what should I share about? Maybe it's like sharing a dream. Maybe it is confessing a sin to your, your grace group, maybe your parents, maybe uh, even your spouse sharing, you know what, I've hidden this, but you know what, I want to be real, I want, I want a true relationship, I want a vulnerable relationship, I want a, a vital, healthy relationship, and sometimes you've got you to gotta let your guard down. Yeah, it's not easy, and we can imagine it probably wasn't easy for Esther, right, to go up and break the law and risk her life to do something but if you look at the impact that it had, it's really shocking um, what God does with her one risk to go before the king. If you look at chapter 8 in Esther, <clears throat> we'll start in verse 5. Esther 8, 5, it says, If it pleases, this is Esther talking, If it pleases the king, and if I found favor in his sight, and the thing seems right to the king, and I'm pleasing in his eyes, which we know she was because it really talks about how beautiful she was. Um, let it be written to revoke the letters devised by Haman, the son of Hamadatha the Agagite, which he wrote to annihilate the Jews who were in all the king's province. Now check this out, verse 9. It says, It was written according to all that Mordecai commanded to the Jews, the satraps, the governors, and the princes of the provinces from India to Ethiopia. That's crazy. 127 provinces in all. To every province in its own script, to every people in their own language, and to the Jews in their own script and language. Here's the deal. Risk impacts the world. 
Risk absolutely impacts the world. You look at it from India to Ethiopia. That is a humongous area. It's huge. Like, and it really, their risk changed things. You look at it at a high level of overview. If you, if you just look at that Mordecai is literally, he's prompted by God. He's literally prompted. I think we've got it actually right here. Maybe. Almost. There we go. We got it. So Mordecai is prompted by God. And then Mordecai prompts Esther. All right, these are small decisions, right? They're just being open to what God wants. And so Mordecai is prompted. He prompts really his daughter. She actually listens. And then Esther prompts the king. He's the king of the known world. And he influences the whole known world. And it impacts it. Yeah, just one woman, right? One woman making these decisions, taking one risk at a time that's having this impact. Absolutely. So there, maybe people, you don't necessarily consider her risking her life a small decision. But all she did was say yes. That's it. She just said, you know what? I am going to go before the king. Yes. And, you know, in, in, in my role here and even in uh, my previous uh life in in the job world i've interacted with probably hundreds maybe thousands of missionaries and uh, i was recently in nepal and thailand and i hung out with this couple warren and jesse warren and jesse had lived in india or nepal for 50 years 50 years and they are translating uh, the scriptures into light, different languages and so they were there and literally they're making the intentional decision to translate this word correctly, to translate that word correctly, to translate all of these different words correctly. And they've consulted on over a hundred Bible translations. And they looked at me and they go, oh, I just like, I don't even know if my, my life's making a difference. And I'm like, are you serious? Like you literally, millions of people have access to the, the word of God because you decided to do what's right. They didn't have some flashy strategy. They didn't have some, uh, you know, amazing uh, uh, strategy that was going to be cutting edge or new. They were just doing the simple thing day in and day out. And then I, I, uh, that same trip, we stopped in Thailand and I met this couple. They'd been in Thailand for 30 years. Thailand's uh, had uh, missionaries there for 198 years and it's been unreached. So it's less than 2% gospel-believing evangelical followers of Jesus. But they've been there for 30 years. And this guy, in his calendar, he puts, I'm going to share the gospel with four people, at least four people, four days a week. And so he has literally shared the gospel with over 25,000 people one-on-one. And it's not flashy. It's not showy. He's literally saying, you know what? I'm going to make this one intentional decision. Every day, every day, every day. On the, the bottom of my signature on my email, it says, what, what about the 3.1 billion that have never heard? And people con- they, they constantly say, like, man, I, I, that just overwhelms me. I have no idea what to do. You know what you do? You try to make one intentional decision. You try to make the one intentional decision to impact somebody. So that means you're going to risk something because you want to be, you want to impact others by that one intentional decision over and over and over. 
Yeah, it's really important, I think, for for all of us to say yes to God. Because we never know that one decision that we'll make that may have huge impact beyond what we could ever imagine. Maybe for some of us, we need to, for the first time, receive the love of Jesus and acknowledge and tell him, yeah, I know that you sent your son, God sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins. I don't deserve it. I can't earn it, right? But you did it because you loved me. And yes, I want to follow you. Maybe you've already done that, right? And you've kept it for yourself. Because we don't follow Jesus just for, for our relationship with him. Maybe you need to start sharing that by discipling someone, mentoring someone, or just telling someone who doesn't know uh, the good news of Jesus at your work or at your school or maybe even in your family. Some of you, maybe you need to take the risk on God, right? Maybe you've, you've followed him, but you've been burned and you feel jaded and you've, you've kind of put up a wall between you and him. Maybe it's, you need to be, come and be vulnerable with him. Maybe you need to confess sin with a spouse or a friend or to God even for the first time. Um, yeah, there's lots of, lots of different things that God could be asking you. I don't know exactly what he's asking each of you, but if he's prompting you, listen to him because we know a prompt can make a huge impact. Yeah, even going, maybe you need to go and risk it and go to that North Overland Park campus. Maybe you need to risk it and go with Shannon to Lee Summit to start a new community of faith so people will be changed, right, by the gospel, by by you saying yes on an intentional decision of saying, I'm going to do this and I'm going to trust. Who knows what the outcome is going to be? Who knows? It's not sure. It's not secure. But you know what? I'm going to go do it anyways. Just because I know that God is asking me to do it. Let's close with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11. You just look at it on the screen. It says, our lives are at constant risk for Jesus' sake. Which makes Jesus' life all the more evident in us. Do you want evidence of Jesus in your life? Like, do you want to see him work? I can guarantee that he, you'll see that evidence if you risk something, yeah. if you risk it, right? Here, here's the deal. We can't keep living in, in this world of, of fearing risk, but if we embrace it and follow Jesus and trusting, trusting him and obeying him, he'll do something. He, he will absolutely do something. And here's the deal. God is risky. He's risky. I don't know if you guys are Chronicles of Narnia fans, but they're talking about Aslan. And what, do you remember what he says? They're talking about his attributes, and Aslan is this picture of Jesus. And, and they say, yeah, 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 he, he's, he's nothing, but he's definitely not safe. He's not safe, but he's good. So what's God asking you to risk right now? Let's pray. Father, I just want to come to you and... Uh, God, thank you that you risked it. Thank you that you risked all, that you left heaven, you risked your life, you uh, got put on a cross so I could know you, so I then could risk it for others. God, I pray that we would just be a risky church and that we would go out and and, uh, do something, even though we don't know what the outcome is, because we want more people to know your son. God, I pray you would move among us. I pray that you would use us in the 
and, and I know you're not a user, but that we would partner with you and we would do what you ask us to do and we would say yes and we would make intentional decisions in our jobs and at school and in our neighborhoods, our communities, wherever we're at, God. I just pray that we would say yes to risk. We pray all these things in your son's powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.